Welcome to Epiphany Brooklyn's podcast. I am Brandon Watts, lead pastor here at Epiph. Thanks so much for tuning in. Our desire is to join Jesus in his mission to redeem our city. May God bless you as you listen and consider subscribing so that you can tune in each week. Grace and peace. Amen. That's Rand Salen. Y'all Google that on y'all way out. Something about the name Jesus. It really is good to worship Jesus' name in here. Proverbs 18 says, The name of the Lord is a strong tower. The righteous run in and we are safe. Y'all know we are safe when we run into the name of Jesus Christ. Look at somebody and just say, I'm happy to worship Jesus with you today. Come on, look at somebody else and just say, wake up, wake up, wake up. We in church. We made it to the house of God. Some of us have had a chaotic week and and it's just been a, a week of, of hell and turmoil and just so much going on with the family and at work. And But you made it to Sunday. You, you made it here. Man, can we thank God for his just provision, his protection, his keeping us Man, he is a good God. Well, look, it's Vision Sunday, and I normally say we got a lot to do and a short amount of time to do it in. I, not that I don't mean it when I say it previous time. I really mean it today. We have a whole lot to do, and we don't have a lot of time. So grab your Bibles and go to Matthew uh, 28. Matthew's the first book of the New Testament. Matthew, and then go to the very last chapter when you get to Matthew. We'll be in Matthew chapter 28. Uh, at the top of each year, we always do this thing called Vision Sunday. Uh, it's a, a chance for us to look back at the previous year and whatever goals we set at the beginning of that year, we want to see how we did with them and also want to lay before you some things that you may not know just as a staff, some stuff that we know and stuff that we keep track of. And so we, we like to present that to you guys. And uh, so today we'll look a little different uh, We'll also look forward at 2022. We always do a Vision Sunday in January, one of the Sundays in January, right after our fast, so that God clarifies the vision that uh, he is calling our church to. How many know that people perish without vision? Without vision, you, there, there's, no, there's no direction, there's no guidance. And so we plead with the Lord, uh, Pastor Timmy and I, and just ask for God to give us clarity on uh, what he's calling us to. And so uh, what I'm going to do today is I'm going to preach for a short amount of time. I usually preach a little bit longer, but I'll preach shorter today, and then I'll direct your attention to the screens, and then we'll go through a little bit of a vision Sunday. We won't be here long, though. Let's jump right in. Uh, Matthew 28. If you're there, just say amen. amen. All right, look at verse 16. This might be familiar for some of you, the Great Commission. It says, now the 11 disciples, that's Judas not included, went to Galilee to the mountain on which Jesus had directed them, and when they had and when they saw him, watch this, they worshiped, you should underline this, but some doubted. And Jesus came and said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations. Somebody say all nations. Baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Teaching them, teaching them, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded and behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. I want to preach today from a topic entitled Vision Sunday 2022. Uh, before we dig in, as always, uh, we should look to the Lord and pray for his guidance and him opening our eyes. Father, we thank you today. You're good, man. You're, you've been so good to us. You've been good to us in ways that we can't even imagine. We can't even fathom. We can't even think of. Good to us in, in ways that Nobody else around us is good to us. 
And you're so good that you're, you're consistently good. And because you're consistently good, we can overlook your goodness. But Father, we pause for a second just to say thank you. We gather here just to say thank you. We worship just to, as an expression of our gratitude and our thanksgiving to you. So Father, would you be with us as we dig into your word, as we dig into this vision, and as we dig into what it is your heart for the church, we pray that you would be with us today. Speak, Lord, because your servants are listening. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Man, Vision Sunday 2022. I'm going to try to do a little bit quicker than I normally do here in terms of uh, speaking. So if you could, I'm not going to speak slow, I'm going to speak fast. If you could listen fast, we're going to move a little quicker than we usually do today. Uh, yesterday, my, my wife and I took my oldest son back down to college. He's in his second semester at Morgan State down in Baltimore. And, and so we, we jumped on the road early in the morning, tried to beat traffic and headed down to Baltimore about three and a half hours from here. And you know, that trip, that three and a half hour trip consists of a couple of things that are happening in the car. Number one, 90s old school hip hop is being played all the way down from here all the way and then all the way back. Um, but the other thing that is happening in the car is we're usually giving some type of parental guidance. We're giving some type of instruction. You're about to go, you know, into this second semester. So what does that mean? So yesterday we took some time to really explain to our son the importance of prioritizing your time. Don't, don't, don't just spend all your time. Like, I don't want you just in the books. You got to have some time, to, some free time, but that's after you've gotten into your books and your academics. We talked to them about hitting up office hours or whatever they call them, study hours and, and, and getting tutoring. We talked about, to them about making wise decisions. You know, when you're in college, you're presented with so many uh, so many things. There, there, anybody went away to college? It's, it, it just, you're presented with, it's just a whole nother world. You know, you didn't have that freedom and ability to make your own decisions when you were home with, with mommy and daddy. But uh, now that you're out, you can make decisions. So making wise, godly decisions. Talk to them about campus life. You know, we want you to do more in school and want you to do more on campus and get involved in some of the stuff that they have. But the other thing we talked about and spent some time really, like, I think the Lord affirmed it. In fact, I know he affirmed it. We talked about the importance, anybody that went through college knows the importance of understanding your syllabus. Like, reading that syllabus word for word for, because it's, it's the professor's expectations. This, this is, he lays out for you in the document, if you want to pass this class, if you want to do well in this class, you better understand this syllabus and follow it to a T. So after we shared that with him in the car, we unloaded the car and we took his stuff up to his dorm room and on his floor, his RA put this, this huge billboard in the hallway and it said biggest day on his read your syllabus. And so it kind of affirmed the thing that we were saying to him because a syllabus is so important because it lays out the expectations. It lays out what the professor desires for you. It lays out your ability to pass the class. I think Matthew 28, particularly verses 16 to 20, I think Jesus is giving us a syllabus for the church. Matthew 28, Jesus is giving his ex expectations for what it is that the church should look like. Now, just to give you context, Jesus has already died at this point. Jesus has risen from the grave at this point, but he has not yet ascended into heaven. After he rose from the grave, he spent a few more, a few more days on the earth, and he was showing himself to people. You know, Thomas, come here, stick your hand in my side. And, you know, he was doing this whole thing. But one of the other things he was doing besides showing himself to people so that they knew that he rose from the dead was he spent time with the 11 disciples, and he said, here's 
my instructions for the church. It's something important about a person's last words. Jesus is about to ascend into heaven and I don't know, maybe I'm just optimistic here. I believe that the last command of Jesus must be the first priority of the church. Can I say that again? The last command that Jesus gives must be the first priority of the church. And unfortunately, many churches have taken this command and we've put it in the backseat and we've, we've tried to build the church on so many other things. Cool websites, lights, logos, programs. The only problem is if you build your church on that, you have to keep the church. You have to sustain the church on those things. And Jesus is like, look, I got an expectation. I got some ideas that I want the church to be. And so here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to give you verses 16 to 20, and I'm going to lay out for you my desire for the church. And here's the beautiful thing. Those of you who are in here and you're like, I don't know if I'm a part of the church or not. Whenever the Bible talks about the church, it's really talking about two aspects. It's the big church. It's, it's, it's the it's the Every believer that has trusted in Jesus, you got brothers and sisters in Uganda right now. You got brothers and sisters in Korea and in China, people that you would never meet on this earth. You'll be worshiping around the throne. That's why the Bible says every tribe, every tongue, every nation, it's the collective. It's the, the big church, the big C church. Then that boils itself down to the local churches. And so you sitting in here today, you committing to being a part of a local church is your bigger expression of what you believe about the big church. You do know that when God saved you, he baptized you into a body. God did not save you for you to be isolated. In fact, if you'll let me put scripture right there. 1 Corinthians 12, 13. For in one spirit, we were all baptized into one body. Somebody say one body. Jews, Greeks, slaves, free, all were made to drink of one spirit. As a believer, I want to be a part of a body, and I want to embody what it means to be a part of the church. But what does it mean? That's also how I think should be informed by my faith in the community that I'm around. I don't know if that makes How I spend my time should be informed by my faith in the community that I'm around. How I go through life and relationships should be informed by my faith in the community that I am around. How I engage with the culture should be informed by my faith and should be informed by the community that I am around. How I spend my money should be informed by my faith and should be informed that the com- by the community that I am around. Oh, we live in such an isolated culture. A culture that believes that we can just come in, slip in, and slip back out of church and, you know, come in one way, grab your communion, and go out. And, and many of us, that, that's our disposition. But I believe that in this next year, God is calling us to be a part, to go deeper, to be known and to know. To be known and to know. And I believe that Jesus has an expectation that all of us that have been a part of Uh, This thing called the big church needs to really boil that down in the local church. And so he says, look, I got some I got a syllabus for you. I got some expectations for you, some things that I think that you would do well if you paid attention to. And I think he gives us that in verse 16 to verse 20. Many says that this is the command of Jesus. And I believe Jesus gives some very clear commands in this passage. But before he gives a command, you got to understand something. He shows us who he chooses to give the command to. He shows us in the passage who's a part of the church. You probably didn't pick this up, but verse 16 says, The 11 disciples went to Galilee to the mountain to which Jesus had directed them. Watch verse 17. And when they saw him, 
they worshiped him, but some doubted. Do you see the, the, the mixing emotions that are on this mountain right now? They see Jesus coming and the Bible says that some of them are worshiping Jesus. Hell, our king has risen. And then there are some people that are on that same mountain, not, not just people, disciples that are saying, I'm doubting. And then you got to understand that this word doubt doesn't mean that they didn't believe in Jesus. This is a momentary hesitation. They, they, they're just they're pausing for a moment there's only two times that this word is used in the original language in Matthew. It's used here and it's used back in Matthew chapter 14 when Peter was walking on the water. And when he was sinking, the Bible says that Jesus said, oh, you of little faith. Why did you same word doubt? That don't mean Peter didn't believe. That means Peter had a moment of hesitation. And so the disciples that are doubting right now, they didn't have time to collect their thoughts. Jesus has just died. There were rumors that the body was stolen. And so the Bible says that these disciples are all on the mountain and they're mixed in their emotions. Some of them are worshiping and some of them are doubting. And when I read this, it always affirms the truthfulness of Scripture. If you want to know if the Scriptures are true, trust me, if I'm Matthew, I'm leaving out that some of our boys are doubting. I'm just not putting that in. I'm just like, all of us were worshiping. We were all on one accord because this almost feels like an anticlimactic way to start a ministry that's going to take the world by storm. Some doubt it? What do you mean some doubt it? But here's what's beautiful about our Savior. Don't miss this. Jesus looks at those that are on the mountain and he doesn't say, those of you who are worshiping, y'all got it. So y'all come close. Everybody else that doubts, I need to dismiss you. You're no longer a part of the mission. Watch what Jesus does. He gives the command. He gives the syllabus to both sets of disciples. Those that are worshiping get the command. Those that are doubting get the command. And I don't know about you or how your disposition is, but this made me rejoice this week. When I understood that my Savior doesn't see my weakness and then say, I can't use you, he looks at that weakness and he says, I'm still going to give you the syllabus. I'm still going to use you. I'm still going to, to, to get the mission across and accomplish through your weakness. If you want to know if God uses weak people, you don't have to just look in Matthew 28. You can look right here on the stage. You can look right here at the worship team. You can look at the band and those who are behind the cameras and those who are hospitality. In fact, look at your neighbor that is next to you. God uses people that are weak. So the Bible says that some were worshiping Jesus and some were doubting. And Jesus usually often will use people that are weak. He often uses people that are feeble. He often uses people that seemingly aren't strong. I'm, I'm telling you, if, if, if I'm Jesus, which I'm not, but I'm just not using the doubters. I, I, it just doesn't feel like this is going to go well. Like, I'm not putting the person in leadership at Epiphany Church that's doubting the mission. But Jesus does. Jesus looks at them and says, you know what? I got to use both sets of people. And, you know, some of you walked in here today and, and you, you feel like God can't use you. You feel like it's no way I could be a part of the church because he knows too much about me. He does. And guess what? He still wants to use you. He knows everything. There, there's nothing hidden before our God. He wants to use you despite the fact that you might be a little rough around the edges. Many of you are waiting, until, to, waiting to get on mission until, uh, until you clean yourself up. Let me mess you up today. You'll never be clean enough. 
Many of you are waiting. To, you're, you're like, you know what? I'll get there with my relationship with God when I get a little bit better. Listen, he wants you trifling. He wants you messed up. He wants you rough around the edges because you'll never be squeaky clean enough to be used by God. He always uses the worshipers and the doubters. Somebody should worship Jesus right now for using the doubters. So I don't know what you're waiting for. As we talk about Vision Sunday, get on mission today. Get in the game today. Be a part of the church today. Share your faith today. Tell somebody else about Jesus today. He's given you opportunities to, move, to, to use this mission and move this mission forward. But many of us are hindered because we're like, I'm not worthy. You're not. And he still wants to use you. He still desires to use you. And so the Bible says that he, he sees the disciples and some of them are worshiping. They're, they're mixing their emotions. Some of them are doubting. You know what else is dope about this, Colin? Nowhere in verse 16 or 17 does he give them any money. You know, the first thing we, we do is like, you know, we got a mission, so we got to go raise some money. He gives them no money in this, in this passage. They don't have buildings. They don't have a 401k plan. They don't have residual income coming through. They don't have programs. They don't have a worship team. They, they, don't, they don't have no social media. There, there's no TikTok. All they got is some worshipers, some doubters, and a command from their king. That's all they got. And Jesus is like, y'all ain't got much, but get out there. Get out there and be on mission. So the Bible says that some are worshiping and some are doubting. Now, this is the Great Commission. You would think that Jesus goes right into the command. You would think Jesus goes right into the syllabus. But before he gets into the syllabus, he makes a claim. I do not have time. I literally don't. I have no time to preach the claim. But it's important for you to highlight it, draw something out to the, to the margin, just write Jesus is dope. Because what he does is he gives the command, but before he does, he says, you can't understand the command that's in verse 19 and 20 unless you understand the claim in verse 18. This, this will make sense in a second. If you don't understand verse 18, we have no hope of fulfilling verse 19 and 20. If you don't understand the claim that he makes in verse 18, it is impossible for us to be on mission and fulfill the command that Jesus gives us. Well, what, what is the claim that he makes? And Jesus said, verse 18, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. I'm not, I'm not, just keep your finger there. I'm not going to preach it, but you got to note the sphere of this authority he said, I got authority in heaven and I got authority on earth. That business you're trying to start, Jesus is like, I got authority over that. That loan you're trying to get, he's like, I got authority over that. That property you're trying to get, he's like, I got authority over that. When we were uh, shopping around and looking around for a building and I've shared with you guys, it was a, it was a cumbersome process. It was, a, it was a daunting process. It was a process that had me full, full of anxiety, and I was up and down. But when I, when I, re I wish I had settled in verse 18 for a minute, all authority on earth has been given to Jesus. Jesus has authority over 960 Atlantic Avenue. Let me mess you up. Jesus has a, go down to the bar. Jesus has authority over the Barclays Center. There's no place that Jesus doesn't claim authority, but note the sphere. He doesn't just have authority here on earth. So the stuff we're worried about, Jesus is like, I, I'm, I got you. I have full control. He has authority even over the heavens. I said I wasn't going to preach it. Why am I preaching it? He has authority even over the heavens. That's the angelic world. That's even Satan. Hello? 
Did you, did you read Revelations 12 where the Bible says that, that, that Satan was an angel and he was kicked out of heaven? Jesus says, I have control and authority even over the demonic world. That's why when Jesus would walk up and somebody would be possessed by a demon, they would be like, oh, Jesus, are you come to cast us out? Yeah, because he has authority over the heavens and he has authority even over the earth. So that's the claim. All authority has been given to me. Now that we know he has authority, what do you want us to do? You're the head of the church. What is the command in which you are giving us? Here's the command. Here's the syllabus, y'all. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. You should not run past the word, go. The great commission, the command does not start with saying, come. It says, go. Unfortunately, we've become so obsessed with this attractional model in church, and we're guilty of it. we got to be careful of it. We, we become so obsessed with this idea of coming in and coming in, and like, well, I'm grateful that you are here today, but I am so much more grateful when you go. Because when you go, you will go and go on mission. In fact, this word, if you look at it in the original language, which is Greek, this word go means as you are going. So when you're at work, you fulfill the Great Commission. When you are around your aunt that don't know Jesus, your aunt that doesn't know Jesus, you are fulfilling the Great Commission. When you are around your non-believing friends and your non-believing co-workers, you should be fulfilling the Great Commission. He says, as you are going. Somebody, you know, you, you, somebody came in here today and you think that your relationship with the Lord only goes to Sunday, but your real relationship is Monday through Saturday. As you are going. As you are going. People that live next to you, do they know you know Jesus? people that you're in that group chat with, do they know you know Jesus? People that you're in friendship and relationship with, have you made gospel impact and taken advantage of all of the opportunities that God has given us? We must be the church that takes this glorious message to the world, and you can't make uh, uh, evangelism synonymous with invites to church. 2022 can't be filled with, come to my church. Look, invite people. Like I get, But I'm so much more impressed when you got out and you, as you are going, talked about Jesus. As you were going, you shared your faith. Many of you are doctors and lawyers and in the entertainment industry and in the tech industry. And you in marketing and you started the business and your teachers and your principals as you were going in those atmospheres. He didn't give you that job just to, just to make money. He didn't give you that job just to have a title and he didn't give you that degree just to have a, a title and so some letters behind in front of your name. He gave you all of that. He gave you that promotion so that as you were going, as you were moving, as you were going through life, you should be impacting those that are around you. So he says, go as you were going. I need you to do a few things, three things, really. First, I need you to make disciples. Uh Oh, second, I need you baptizing which I think is synonymous with conversions. We'll get there in a second. And third, I need you teaching. Teaching what? All that I have commanded. Teaching people to observe all that I have commanded. We quickly realize as a church that our mission is making disciples, is baptizing, which is seeing conversions, because that happens after baptism, or before baptism. And then thirdly, Teaching, that's the command that Jesus, that's the syllabus. You want to know how to get through life? Disciples being made. I know this is too simple. Baptisms taking place and teaching that is compelling and teaching what? Teaching the gospel message of Christ. Baptizing. 
discipleship. Do you know how important discipleship is? I'm already in that that's part of our vision for 2022. The reason we have a community life and discipleship pastor dedicated to to discipleship is because we know that this is important. The reason we have a, a, a discipleship director is because we know that this is important. We have God seekers that this is important for, for your spiritual formation. But then we also have discipleship relationships. When I talked about you coming in and you being known and you knowing part of that happens through discipleship. So discipleship is so, so vital to the church. I can tell you now the way that our church operates, it's the bloodline to getting connected here is discipleship. And some of us have gone through life and we've been so isolated, but this year you really should say, you know what, let me get in that one relationship that could help me to spiritually grow. We got connections and, and community in so many other areas, but this one area of spiritual growth. So the Bible says, look, as you are going, here's what you got to do. You got to make disciples. Second thing you got to do is you got to baptize. I'm almost on the screens, um, the, the, the tech team. Baptizing. Baptism is an ordinance of the church, but baptism only happens after you have been saved. And so the Great Commission can't be feel, fulfilled if we are just taking members from one church to another. The Great Commission can only be fulfilled when lost people meet Jesus. Which means that the Great Commission can only be fulfilled when you are going out and sharing your faith. So many times we think that people only can hear the gospel when you bring them to church. If they can only hear the gospel, to me, that's a weak gospel. But the gospel can be heard through you, through your time with somebody else, through you jumping on that Zoom call with them, through you, through, through, through you having coffee and enjoying time with other people. And so you need conversions. Conversions do what? Lead to baptisms. Baptism does what? It fulfills the Great Commission. Christ's unspoken uh, expectation by saying baptisms is that we would uh, run to make sure that people hear about Jesus. When is the last time you've shared your faith? That's rhetorical. Miguel, don't answer it. When is the last time that you told somebody about Jesus? I think just sit on that for a second. I ask that question every now and then because the expectation I want to lay in the room is that we should all be sharing our faith. God has given you opportunities. He's given you relationships. He's given you uh, uh, spheres of influence. And yet we go through life and we don't take full advantage of the opportunities. We cannot fulfill the Great Commission if we don't see converts. We don't see people meeting Jesus. We cannot fulfill it if we're swapping members. Go down the street. They got Hello Brooklyn on the building. The devil is a liar. Meet Jesus. Talk Jesus. Share your faith. Tell somebody that Jesus brought you out of darkness into the marvelous light. Tell somebody that you used to be messed up, but God knows how to redeem and restore our lives. Share our faith because we can only fulfill the Great Commission when we see converts. He says disciples should be made of all nations. He says baptisms should take place. But then he says, I love this one, teaching. See, that's why we're gathered here today. Praise God for the worship team, Josh and Colin, man, praise God. But we are here to hear the word of God teaching, not just teaching, I mean, teaching the Bible. I hate that I got to say that in church. Do you know how many churches you can go to and get a therapeutic self-help talk about nothing? I want to hear about Jesus. When you, when you open up that word, don't tell me that I'm going to be great. Tell me Jesus is great. Tell me, tell me about how he has redeemed us. Tell 
me about how the cross really works and how that really impacts my life. Tell me how I can take my sin and submit it underneath the gospel. You need to tell me about Jesus. He says, teaching them. But we don't just teach just to teach. He says, teach them to observe, teach them to obey. In other words, we don't teach for you to just take notes. We teach for the notes to actually be applied to your life. Teach them to observe. Teach them to obey. Josh, the only thing worse than bad teaching is selective teaching. Do you notice that he said, teach them to observe all, the whole thing? There's nothing we should leave out. And that's why as a church, you know, we, we are serious about going through books of the Bible. We, we've, we've gone through, since we started, we've gone through the book of Colossians, the whole thing. Since we've started, we've gone through the book of Jonah, the whole thing. We've gone through the book of 1 Peter, the whole thing. We went through Habakkuk when nobody could say Habakkuk. We didn't even know how to pronounce it. We went through two and a half years of the book of Romans. Somebody say, Pastor, that was just too long. That was, you just went too long on that one. You, you did too much on it. We are going through the book of Daniel starting in, in March. It's going to be amazing. We're doing nine weeks. We learn from Romans. Just, shut, just shorten it a little bit. So we're doing nine weeks in the book of Daniel. And we'll pull out the major themes. And we'll look at the story of these men that were in Babylon. Teaching them to observe. Not just observe anything. Observe all that I have uh, commanded. You know, I love Paul when he's standing before the Ephesian elders in Acts chapter 20. He says something interesting. When he's standing before the... the, the um, when he's standing before the, the, the disciples and, and, and the elders and the leaders in the, in the church at Ephesus, he says, I didn't shrink away from teaching them the whole counsel of God. I love that. God, Lord, Lord, if I, Lord, when you take me out, please let me have preached through at least 75, 85, 95, 100% of the Bible. I would love to preach all of it. I would love to talk to friends about all of it. I would love to, to disciple through all of it. He says, teach them to observe all that I've commanded. I got to move quicker here. I'll finish by saying this. He says, teach them to observe. So we have baptism, uh, discipleship of all nations, baptism, teaching. Now, how, 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 how do we get comfort in that? So what he gives is the claim. Remember, the claim is all authority has been given to me. He gives the command. He tells us to go and make disciples and baptize. And he tells us to teach. And then he gives us comfort. And I'll end right here. In the comfort in verse 20. He's teaching them to observe all that I have commanded. And behold, I am with you. Here it is. Always. There's the comfort. In other words, we don't disciple alone. We don't teach alone. We don't baptize alone. You don't go through hardship and struggle alone. You're not in that relationship alone. I know sometimes it feels like God in there, but he just said, I'm done. I'm going to take this to the bank. I am with you. Watch the perpetual nature. Always. There's never a moment that he is not with us. There's never a moment that he leaves you by yourself. So here's where, where I get a lot of confidence. Here's where I get a lot of confidence with going through life and being on mission. Because I know that even in the rough parts of mission, he's with me always. And only those of you who have trusted in Jesus, I'm about to shift here. Those of you who have trusted in Jesus, only those of you that have trusted in Jesus can make this claim that he's with us always. A non-believer can't make that claim. I'm not beating you. We can't, you can't make that claim. That claim is reserved for those who have trusted in Jesus, that the God of the universe that has authority over the heavens and the earth just said, I'm with you always. What a claim. 
how, Pastor, okay, I, I want to give my life to the Lord. How, how does that work? By believing in the work that he did on the cross. By trusting in what he did on the cross. There's two things that happen on the cross. He takes my sin when he's on the cross. Bible say it this way, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 21, for our sake, he made him who knew no sin to be sin so that you might become the righteousness of God. Did you hear that? He took him, his son, his one and only son who knew no sin to be sin, take on our sin so that we might become the very righteousness of God. That's the first thing that happens. The second thing that happens is he gives you the end part of that says so that we might become the righteousness of God. He, he accredited to your account his perfection. He accredited to our account his holiness. So on the cross, God looked at his son Jesus and saw our sin and crushed him. And when you stand before Jesus, when you stand before God, he'll look at Jesus' righteousness and say, well done. That, that'll preach right there. Let me say that again. He saw our sin on Jesus and crushed him. He sees Jesus' righteousness on you and says, well done, even though you really didn't do a good job. Even though Jesus really deserves the well done, you get the well done because Jesus took the sin away from you. I need somebody worshiping Jesus right there. This is the, this is the gospel that we live our lives under. This is the gospel that you can believe today. You can be a part of this thing called the church and you can receive this syllabus and you can run well with it. Go therefore and make disciples, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit teaching them to observe all that I have commanded, and lo, I am be with you. Always. Somebody say always. always. I'm going to shift really quickly. That, that, that's, that'll conclude this, this portion of the sermon. I, I just want to go through some things about, um, about 2022 that I'm hopeful and I'm excited about, and some things that I worked with our, our, our ministry leaders on, and, and, and Pastor Timmy and operations manager Gabe, some, some vision that we have for 2022. I'm going to move quick here, y'all. We exist to join. This is our mission statement. We exist to join Jesus in his mission to redeem our city. Uh, I'll go deeper, those of you who are going to be a part of the class next week. I'll go deeper into what that actually means. That every word means something for us. So I'll go deeper into that uh, at a later date. What are our core beliefs? I'll move quickly. We believe in the centrality of Jesus. Every time you come here, you can be assured you will hear about Jesus. And if you're not, please come tell me. If you have a Sunday here, no, don't come tell me. Don't come back. I'm not, I'm, you have a pass today. If you have a Sunday that you have not heard about Jesus from the worship team and from the sermon, from the announcements, from if you didn't hear Jesus, we've done you a disservice. You got to go somewhere else. This is, a, this is a lawless place if we're not talking about Jesus. So we believe in the centrality of Jesus. We don't believe Jesus first. That makes him a check off the list. We believe he's everything. He's the, he's the whole list. We believe in the Holy, uh, the Holy Scriptures. So we teach from the Word of God. We believe that the Scriptures are breathed out by God. There's no error. There's no contradiction. It's infallible. It's, it's without error. It's not only without error. Colin, it's incapable of error. It's God's Word. I don't make mistakes. So we believe in the Holy Scriptures. I'm going to quick. We believe in salvation by grace alone, through faith alone, and Christ alone. We don't believe in a workspace gospel. We don't believe that you can work hard, hard, hard enough to be saved. We believe that Jesus has done the work and we rest in that. All right. I'm going to quick. We believe that all men are sinful. The reason you come here and it feels like I beat you up every week, like you're a sinner, you're a sinner, you're a sinner. The reason we do that is because we have to be reminded. Remember the verse a couple of weeks ago that says, if we say we have no sin, we lie. 
We deceive ourselves. And so pointing out that we are sinners. And by the way, this should help you in your relationship issues. Now, I'm not talking intimate. I'm talking friendships. I'm talking to those of you who, who, those of you who have contention uh, with somebody else, a family member, a friend. This should help you understand you're dealing with somebody that's a sinner. And you're a sinner. You get two sinners together. This is why marriages need therapy and counseling. This is why relation, this is why church can be a bit messy because we are putting sinners together. And whenever you put sinners together, you are always bound to have issues. So I'm going to move quick. All of us are sinners. All right, let's get to some vision. Uh, in 2022, I, w- I want to call all of us to live out our faith beyond Sunday mornings. We, we've been really comfortable. And, you know, I think part of it is because we are just now getting back into service. And so what happens is if we're not careful, if you're not careful, you can just become what they used to call in Pastor Timmy, a Sunday saint. Just, just come to church on Sundays and you're good. But, you know, you're really, Sunday morning is just a, it's a picture. It's a window into the church. Sunday mornings is not the whole church. You know, that's why Acts, the Bible says when, in, in Acts chapter 2, I think it's verse 47, day by day the Lord added to the church. They didn't wait for the altar call to be added to the church. Day by day they were living out their faith. So I'm, I'm hoping that we would live out our faith beyond Sunday mornings. What does that mean? Live it out at home. Those of you who are parents, live it out there. Those of you who are husbands and, and wives, live it out there. Those of you who are children, live it out there. When I say children, I mean you live in, in, in the home with parents. Those of you who are um, have roommates live out the gospel there. Pray that you would live it out on your job. That's my prayer for you this year. Pray that you would live out your faith in school. Pray that you would live out your, 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 your faith in the third space. You know, um, Starbucks has this thing called the third space where they're, they're trying to become the third space. They, you know, your first space is home. Your second, second space typically is work. Where's that third space that you hang around? Where is that? And so Starbucks is like, come here. Let us be the third space. Wherever that, th- wherever that third place that you hang out, that, that place that's important to you, wherever that third place is, I will call you to live out your faith. All right, let me go through a little bit of our, our staff, uh, our pastors, uh, or I should say our pastor, community life discipleship pastor. Look at uh, Nathaniel just like chilling. Pastor Timmy and, and Lady Io and Nathaniel and so uh, he's, uh, Pastor Timmy is still our community life and discipleship uh, pastor. Can we thank God for Pastor Timmy and, and Io? Our tech director, uh, Dag, you, you know, Ed is just, he's smizing right there. This is our, uh, our tech director, that's um, Jojo and, and, and Tisha, and Ed is uh, on staff. He's full-time staff. He, he runs, can we thank God for Ed? He runs all of our technology terms of our our visual. Uh, My wife is part-time on staff, and so there's my boys and and Ty. Uh, She's our implementations manager. Let's thank God for Ty. Let me pause for a second. Not that I don't love the other staff. I just love her a little bit more than everybody else. Uh, You you know, we've been trying to get off the ground for so long, this idea of uh, of growth track, and I'm going to talk to you about it in a second, but a way for people to come in and say, okay, what are next steps? What, what do we need when we come into the church? Do we need discipleship? Do we need to be a part of the church through uh, through our covenant community? You know, do, do we need to serve? Like, what are the things that are, are necessary for your spiritual formation? And, and Ty took this idea of, of a growth track and simplified it for us. And so shout out to Ty for, for that. She also leads our, our ladies, our, our women's ministry, and just so many other things that y'all don't even know. 
y'all don't even know. I mean, literally, she thinks through from the time we walk in. She, 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 uh, she helps all of our ministry leaders with implementing uh, whatever vision they have and helps them to massage the vision so that it, it flourishes. She, she got all of our ministry leaders to put together these, um, uh, the, these packets for those of you who are joining ministries. You'll have something that's visual. That you, I mean, Ty really does a lot of work. So I just want to thank God for Ty. Let's thank God for her again. All right, I'm running short on time. Discipleship director. Come on, y'all thank God for Yolanda. Doing a phenomenal, phenomenal job with our discipleship. Um, As I talked about, you know, Matthew 28, uh, go therefore and make disciples of all nations. The reason Yolanda is in place is to make sure that that's fulfilled. To make sure that that's actually like we're taking this this scripture and actually putting hands and feet to it. And so I'll I'll talk a, a little bit about some of the vision and direction of that in a second. Another one, Smizing, uh, worship director, Josh. Come on, let's thank God for Josh and Kayla. Josh is full-time staff. He runs all of our music, so he, he gets the band together. And shout out to the band. I love these brothers and our worship team. Week over week, and you know, y'all, we just come in and worship, but y'all don't know how much goes into that, like between rehearsals and scheduling and vocal trainings and auditions. I don't know if we use that word. That's scary. Use auditions? auditions, you know, because the Bible says make a joyful noise, not just a noise. So, so we, we got we to, gotta, you know, our worship director leads all of that. So shout out to Josh. He's doing a phenomenal, phenomenal, phenomenal. How many thank God for our worship? Just flows every week. Speaking of worship, uh, that, that's Chris, but his wife uh, Valerie is our church and pastoral admin. She helps keep everything on track and everything running. She's not here, but if she's online, shout out to you, Val. Uh, for all that she does. Let's thank God for her. Last but not least, we got to talk about Gabe. Amen. That is Keisha and Elliot. Remember a couple of weeks ago, we, um, he, he, Gabe really was like, he took on all of the weight of this building, and not just this building, but all of the buildings that we've looked at, Gabe helped to orchestrate all of it. I mean, worked with the expediters, the architects, and still working on this stuff with the lawyers, and it's just a lot that goes into the business side. Gabe runs all of our operations. He was our first staff when we started the church, and uh, every year he gets employee of the month, so, uh, of the year, so shout out, shout out to Gabe. Even our first year, he got employee of the year. He's the only one, uh, but that's Elliot and Keisha. Remember, we, we, um, we were so grateful for all of the work that he did throughout last summer, and into the fall when we uh, secured this building and we, you know, brought him up. He's so emotionless. He doesn't have a lot of emotion, but he stood up here. We were like, you're going to Puerto Rico. We were so excited. Well, they just went to Puerto Rico last week. So uh, they had a good time of of being able to disconnect and and get away. All right. All right. 2021 highlights. Let's look back real quick. We moved into 960 Atlantic. Amen. I'll make this quick. We're in phase one of, of two phases, really three phases. The first phase is what we're doing now. We're up here. We're meeting. But this is not, this is a temporary sanctuary. Downstairs will be our, um, our, our uh, sanctuary, which will be a little bit bigger. That's phase two. Phase three is renovating up here so that this becomes kid space and offices and stuff like that. So we moved in and, and um, we signed in August. Yeah, we signed in August. And so... Praise God for that. We started gathering on Sunday mornings again in November because, remember, we were online for uh, several months, uh, at least a year and some change. We were online, and then by God's grace, once we got 
upstairs done. We moved in. Y'all good? Be good? All right. We started our God Seeker classes in March of 2021. Who has gone through God Seekers? Amen. Amen. Many of y'all. Many of y'all. We started our God Seekers class led by um, Yolanda Solomon. I'll give you some more information on that. We did a COVID-19 hardship fund. Uh, we gave away, just in 2021, we gave away over $13,000. Just in 2021, we actually started our COVID-19 hardship fund for those, you know, not just in our church, but if you, if you were in the community, we paid mortgages and rent and we helped people with groceries and people had car bills and it wasn't us. It was you were generous to give to this thing called the COVID-19 hardship fund and so this is just 2021. I think we gave somewhere around 29000 away if you add 2020 and 2021. So shout out to you guys for being a generous church. And us not just being a church that is just like, come and bring all your money here. We want to make sure that we are serving and giving. Uh, and we, we've given in different ways. I'll, I'll share that with you. All right. All right. So that's 2021. Let's move forward real quick. Here, here's the vision for twenty. Uh, 22. Now, here's the thing. I usually am like, man, there's so many. I'm ambitious. There's so many things that uh, that I'm hoping for to see the church move move toward. I, I really have. It's really simple. I have three things that I really want us to focus on this year, driven right from Matthew 28. Number one is conversions. I, I'm so sick. When I say share our faith, I want this to be the year where you. I wish we had a competition. Who brought more people to the Lord? I wish we had that competition. Like that's that's the goal of you being a believer is not for it to stop with you, but for God to use you to then share your faith. And so we want to see people uh, get saved, and we know that that happens through the sharing of your faith, not just you bringing them to church. Discipleship. So we have conversions. We want to see discipleship flourish. We want to see people grow in their faith. Uh, we want, uh, and then third is commitment to the local church. Uh, and so one of the ways that fleshes out here is through growth track. And I'll, I'll share that with you. All right, conversions. Let me just go through this real quick. We are desiring to see people get saved through the preaching of the gospel and the sharing of your faith with your friends. I'll, I'll preach through that, so I'm not going to go through that again. Acts chapter 2, verse, uh, 20, uh, verse 42 to 47, and they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and the prayers, and all came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. It is so important that we understand this idea that God saves people, and he saves people, and he usually, he, I wish he wrote it in the sky, just on a big cloud, get saved, and they, oh, Jesus. He doesn't work like that. He uses you to share your faith. Our conversions, we desire, oh, we already did this. Uh, this is the rest of Acts 42. This is when I said day by day the Lord added to the church. It's that passage. Write that down. All right, discipleship. <clears throat> All right, discipleship aids in the overall health of the church. It helps with the development of leaders. Acts chapter 14, I'm not going to, to, to talk about this too long, but Acts 14 is interesting because the Bible says that they went around and they made disciples. And then two verses later, it says that they appointed elders to the church. Well, where, where did the elders come from? The elders came from the disciples that were made. Discipleship is so important. And, you know, a lot of times we, you know, we think that leaders come up through osmosis. They don't come up, they, they come up through discipleship. They, somebody else is in their life. There's a group of people that are in their life. And so discipleship is extremely important. 
All right. Sorry, let's move on here. Discipleship also reduces the need for counseling. I don't think we understand this. And when I say counseling, I mean counseling through the church and counseling uh, at home, too. I mean, this high level of counseling in the church is the result of a lack of discipleship. That's just that's just I'm telling you, I've done this for long enough. When you lack discipleship, counseling and issues in the church go up. But when discipleship happens, it is worked out through discipleship. Because some of the stuff that we're, that, that as a church that we're dealing with, I'm like, that's a discipleship issue. That, that's, that's, that's not something that we really even, like, let us, let's be on mission and do some other stuff. But this stuff that, that we're dealing with is discipleship stuff. So discipleship is really important. Let me give you a quick quote. It helps you to build relationships with the body. This is from a, a book called Discipleship That Fits, Bobby Harrington and Alex Absalom. Uh, Networks of smaller relationships where we are engaged in mission and live out our faith in community. If you're like, man, you know, I just I want to know people. I don't know enough people at Epiphany. Well, discipleship helps with that. Discipleship starts to open the doors of relationships. All right. Here's our discipleship goals for uh, 2022. Goal number one, as of this month, there are more than 60 people involved in discipleship uh, in discipleship groups. Our goal in, 22 is, in 2022 is to make sure that no member of Epiphany is following Jesus alone. So we have 60 people that have signed up to be a part of some type of discipleship within the church. Our goal is to make sure that at the end of this year, when I do this next year, I want to be like 100% of Epiphany has gone through discipleship, is going through disciple, discipleship, is being discipled and is uh, discipling. Goal number two, I know it's 1103. I got to move. Goal number two. Right now, we are in our fourth cohort of the God Seekers Discipleship class. Our goal is that every person who has gone through God Seekers class would commit to being spiritual mentors uh, to a younger believer this year. So in other words, the way it works is when you go through God Seekers, and I think it's a six-week, uh, six-week course, when you go through God Seeker, the goal is for you to then become, uh, as you're going through your faith, become mature enough to then become a disciple maker. Because there are, there, are, there are people that just gave their life to the Lord. And I know you're going, well, I, there's not enough in me. That's discipleship. You, you, you start somewhere. You bring somebody else along. Those of you who are maturing in your faith and you help those who are spiritually infant to become spiritually mature. All right, I'm going to move quick. I'm just going to read these. Stop the side talk. Goal number three, record discipleship mentoring uh, training videos for our ministry leaders and deacons. And then finally, goal number four of discipleship for this year is to write more resources to equip ministry leaders. I would go so far as to say, and other churches. I think Yolanda is doing a phenomenal job. And so to see some written material, I feel a book happening in the, in the, in the atmosphere. <laughs> to, to, see, to, see, to see us have some, some, some tangible uh, work that can outlive all of, our, all of us to where the next generation can benefit. So we want to write more resources. All right, Growth Track. Uh, Ty went through this last week, so I'm not going to spend a bunch of time, but Growth Track gives you the next steps of your faith, really connection in the church. Uh, we have Brooklyn's Finest Nights and Team Nights. Um, they're, they're, they're all on our website. If you're not familiar with our website, please get familiar with the website. The website drives, drives Growth Track. You want to know when a, when a ministry is meeting, got to go to Growth Track. You want to know, well, when is Covenant Community? How can I become a member? Go to the website. It's on growth track. You want to know how to sign up for God seekers and discipleship and you got to go to the website. All of it is on 
the website. So we'd like to see people use the opportunities to learn more about our church and our teams, meet directly with team leaders, Brooklyn's finest, and come, uh, come out to team nights for uh, fun night of fellowship and for training. And it, re it really, really is a fun night. There's music, there's dancing. We, we just enjoy ourselves uh, at those nights. All right, Growth Track gives you the next steps of your faith. There's spiritual growth. So for the month of January alone, we had close, just January of this year, we had close to 40 people who registered for God Seekers. We would like to continue to see that number increase for, uh, for DNA and for discipleship. Uh, Covenant Community, that's happening next week. That's our membership. We want to see people connect to the local church through membership. I'm just, I believe that many of us need to stop dating the church and go ahead and get married. Let's just go ahead and con let's connect. Let's, let's be in covenant. Let's be accountable uh, to one another. Josh, I'm moving quick as possible. I see you getting antsy to play. I'm, I'm going to move quicker. All right, these are my last few slides. I like to go over just a little bit of the finances of our church just to kind of we try to be as transparent as possible. We ask you to give. We want you to know where the giving is going and how it's being used and where we were able to um, obtain. So in 2021, our year-end goal was 800000 So let me explain that. We are fully internally um, funded. So when we first started the church, we were like, I mean, at one point we were 100% dependent on on supporters and, and donors from the outside, and there was no really giving in church because we didn't have people. And as more people started to come to the church and commit and understand that the gospel requires all of us to be sacrificial and give, uh, we started to, to take our year-end goal internally and make it higher. So at the beginning of 2021, we said, what we need to be operational is we need 800,000. This heat ain't free. I know it feel good, but it ain't free. These lights ain't free. That toilet, that water that you wash your hands with is not free. And so we said we need 800000 by the end of 2021. Well, I am so excited to tell you that we brought in over 900000 in 2021 because of you. That's God using you. This is why I'm always, always so adamant that we are a church that is... Um, that is very generous, and I'm grateful for each one of you and your generosity. All right, in our building campaign, that was just general fun. In our building campaign, you brought in $57,000 in 2021, and, and uh, most of that was that, that year-end push us saying, hey, we, we need to raise money to, y'all remember that? Give, give some money because we need to up, update some equipment, and, and so uh, the building campaign, our spread love campaign, 50, uh, a little bit over 57000 you brought in. And then our COVID-19 hardship fund in 2021, you brought in $17,000, almost $18,000 to help somebody else. Here's the beauty. We gave away $81,000 last year. 9% of everything that you have given has gone back out to help another church. That's incredible. I mean, churches in places that you would never, ever, ever even go or, or, or you won't even meet. And I'm not talking domestically. I'm talking in Nigeria, in Lagos, Nigeria. We should take a church trip to Lagos, Nigeria. <laughs> oh, y'all want to wake up now. <laughs> All right. So 9% of your giving, that's incredible, man. $81,000 we were able to give back out generously. Don't even think about it. You guys give. We want to we model this idea of giving. All right, my last slide. We could start playing something, Josh. 2022, internal giving. My hope is that we would be able to. So last year, remember, we said we need 800,000. You guys gave 
over 900,000. We are praying that in our general fund, we're able to obtain internally a million dollars. And that's our, that's, that's our operationals budget. A million dollars. And it's so doable. Y'all saw that, I mean, in a pandemic, y'all were able to give to a place in generosity that we were able to raise 900,000. Well, this year we are hoping, uh, as we look at the building expenses and you know, toilet paper keep coming, I know we laugh, but we got to buy that. All right, I'm move. We will still give 9% away. So everything that you're giving, think about that. Every dollar that you give, 9% of it is going back out. All right, let's, let's look to the Lord. I'll end there because I'm way over time. Father, I thank you for this vision. I thank you for your word. You call us to be the church. You call us to make disciples and baptize and teach. So Lord, would you, would you grant us the ability, the the willingness, the desire, the strength to run as hard as we can for your glory and for your honor. Father, we pray, oh God, that we would not take lightly this call to be the church, that we would be serious. Worship team, come on up. That we would be serious. We'd be serious about running for you. This year, I pray somebody would be known. I pray that the person that just kind of skated through their faith last year would commit deeper this year and that they would grow and that you would use them for your glory and for your honor. It's in Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen.